You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Good song. I like the message of that song. It's good stuff. And if you look at it, do you believe it? I mean, there's the story right there. How much of that story that we say we believe do we allow to affect our lives? If we really believe it, if we really, really think that it is actually true, it's going to do something to us. But that's more the message in just a minute. So I'm, I'm chomping at the bit on this one. I'm excited about this message today. It's going to be good. But Brother, uh, Brother David told me we have to do an update first, though, so we have to pause that for a minute and give a little bit of an update on Chili. A lot of y'all don't know us. Who, who here has never met me before in your life? Raise your hand. You've never met me? Just trying to get to who I'm talking to. Okay, very good. Some of y'all haven't met us before. Um, I don't think we've ever been in this church, though, before. I, I could be mistaken. If I'm mistaken, I am sorry about that. Uh, but it's a really great opportunity to get to know y'all. Thank you for having us to come by. I'm really happy that your pastor is able to take a little bit of vacation. Kind of funny that he's preaching right now on his vacation, but that is the way that it works. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to have been able to get to know him a little bit. Since being at Napa uh, for the last year and a half or so, I was able to get to meet your pastor, and I really, really like him. Some people that you, you click with, you know, some people you don't, and some people you really do. And he's one of the people that I really clicked with. He's a really good guy. So I'm very, very happy for him that he's able to take a break right now, and then uh, as much of a break as it is, I guess. And then happy for you guys because you get a good pastor. Not every church in America has the privilege to have a good pastor pastor. So take advantage of that as much as you possibly can. Okay, so the update in Chile. We've been in Chile, my family and I have been in Chile for the last 10, 11 years, somewhere around there. It's hard to count because if you start counting furloughs, how much time you've been out of the country, uh, does that count for the time that you've been in the country? It, it gets kind of confusing. But we got there uh, 10, uh, 2010, in July of 2010, and on and off we've been there taking furloughs here and there, but for that whole time we've been in the country of Chile ministering there. Started in the southern part. Now who knows anything about Chile? You, you some geographic uh, people in here? Alright, so one guy was asking me earlier today, uh, what's the, the dimensions of Chile? Chile is a really narrow country, runs vertically along the coast of what continent? Who knows the, the continent? Just South America. All right, very good. Runs on the west side, the, the southwest side of South America. Um, it is just really, really uh, skinny, and yes, it looks like a chili. All right, good job, brother. I don't know how many chili jokes I have heard over the last 10 years. I think I've heard all of them, and I could give a few of them right now, but we're, for the sake of time, we're not going to go over the chili jokes, okay? But that's where we're, we were located in the southern part not the extreme south by Antarctica, but towards the south of Chile. And one thing about southern Chile is it's very, very cold. So after having started a church in this area, we left it into the hands of a national man uh, and then moved up north. My wife got sick during that time, and the doctor told us, you need to get somewhere a little bit warmer so that she can survive the next winter. And we said, yes, sir, we are out of here, going up to the northern part of Chile. Now, uh, one Chile joke, okay? Just, just one, all right? Where we're at now in Chile, or before we came back to the States, it is so chilly that it's almost Peru. It's bad, I know, it's really, really, really bad. But that's the best way to describe where we're at. We are a half hour from the border between Chile and Peru. 
way, way north, and where we're at now, it is the driest desert on earth. It never rains. Can you imagine that? It doesn't rain. People's roofs aren't roofs. They're mesh netting just for the shade. That's the only purpose that the roof has is to make shade, not to keep the elements out. It is a different kind of life. And if you drive up on the hill in our town, going up towards uh, the, the, the Moro, the, the little uh, sightseeing area, you can look down on all the houses and you can actually see people in their houses because there are no roofs. Now, once in every 60 or 70 years, it will rain a little bit. So in that 60, 70 year time, when it finally hits, everybody freaks out about the rain because now it's raining inside the house and it makes things very, very interesting for everybody. But that's where we've been in for the, the, the last, uh, the second half of our time in Chile. We started a church in the southern half, then moved up to the northern half. Now we have a church that, we're, that I'm continuing to pastor online. Who knows what the virtual church is? That's become a thing this last year, right? The virtual church. So our church has not met in person since February of 2020. But they're still meeting online every Sunday. We get together and I preach the message. We play the guitar. We have our congregational singing. And everyone logs on from their own little devices wherever they're at. We have someone coming in from Bolivia. We have someone coming in from southern Chile. Some coming in from Peru. And the majority coming in from our little town, Arica, in the, in the northern part of Chile. It is really interesting. We've never had to face anything like this in church history that I know of. And the, 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 the idea of even a virtual church is funny because church is like a gathering, a coming together. And, and the virtual church, the COVID church, it was just not the same thing. Pray for us if you can, please. That's the condition our church is right now. I am doing the best that I can to get back there as soon as possible so that we can get everyone together in the same building again. But it is proving to be more difficult than, uh, than, I, than I thought it was going to be with all the COVID restrictions and travel restrictions. And there are so many different things that we can't go into right now. But that's the prayer. If you could pray with us that the Lord would open the doors for us to be able to get there to get things up and running again in a, in a physical, uh, in-person sense, that would be a tremendous, tremendous help. Okay, so that's the update on Chile. Um, and I want to talk about something real quick before we get into the message. I want, I want you to see something that's not here, okay? Between me and you, there is a wall. There, there just this thing exists. Now, we can't see it, but it's there. You know, you know how it's there? Because you don't know me because I don't know you very well. There is this natural wall. Now, I want everyone to, to see it. The wall's here. And I want us to, on purpose, try to take down that wall a little bit. Now, you don't know a thing about me other than it's a missionary going to Chile or that's this Ben in Chile. And that your pastor was the one that invited me to come. That's the only thing that most of y'all know about me. So there's this automatic little bit of uh, skepticism, distrust. I don't know what we call it, but the wall is there. Okay? So I want us to try to take that wall down a little bit so that we can hear from God's Word. Okay? I, I, I want this to be a blessing to you. My wife tells me all the time, we, you know, we listen to Patch the Pirate songs. Y'all know who Patch the Pirate is? Okay. We have little kids, so I'm all constantly listening to Patch the Pirate. I've got all of them on my, on my phone right now. My kids are always asking me, can you play a Patch the Pirate song? One of the songs is, be a blessing, not a pest. 
And my wife, the last thing, ever since we've heard that song, the last thing she always tells me anytime I go somewhere to preach, she says, be a blessing. And I say, not a pest. Okay, I got the idea. I want to be a blessing today. I want the study that we have to affect our lives. I want it to be something that every one of us can take home and that our Christian life can be a little bit better this afternoon than it was this morning. So that being said, let's open our Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy, we'll be using a few different places. And before we read the passage in 2 Timothy, I want to, to call attention to something called the Pledge to the Bible. Y'all ever heard you know, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag and to the Christian flag and then the Pledge to the Bible? Y'all know how it goes? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. I said that I don't know how many times growing up. And a lot of y'all apparently have said it a lot of times too, okay? But that idea of the Bible, it is supposed to be so essential to the Christian that like Job said, we would prefer the Bible over our necessary food. God's Word is supposed to be that to every single one of us. More important than the food we eat, more important than the water we drink, more important than the air we breathe, ought to be God's Word, the Bible. And the word Bible is just kind of funny in itself. You take the, the letters of Bible, make an acronym. It's basic instructions. Who knows the rest of it? Before leaving earth. That's right. But a lot of us don't have the relationship with the Bible that we ought to have. Now, I've been in a lot of churches. I've seen a lot of Christians and, and different versions of Christianity all over not only America, but all over the world. God's given me that opportunity to see a lot of really interesting things. But one con constant that I see all over the place is that we have people that know the Bible and we have people that have a relationship with the Bible. But we have not developed that relationship in the way that we ought to have developed it. So the goal today is to show a few more things in that relationship that we ought to incorporate in our personal daily walk so that we can have a better relationship with the Bible because our relationship with God is going to be determined by your relationship with His Word. If you want a good relationship with God, you've got to have that relationship in His Word correct. And if it's not correct, it's going to be a limit to the relationship that you're going to have with God. And the thing with the Bible, too, it is the defining point of what a Baptist church is. We are a Baptist church because of a lot of different doctrines that we hold to. Uh, the, the cardinal doctrines, you know, we, we believe in the virgin birth, the, the, sinless, the sinless life, the vicarious death, all those different things, the bodily resurrection, a lot of different doctrines that we hold to. And, and in our practices as well, the things that we do, we go out soul winning, we, we fast sometimes, we don't do the foot washing. Do you all do the foot washing thing here? We don't do the foot washing thing, okay? That's, that's just a little bit too weird. But there are things that we do practices that we have, things that we believe based on the Bible. And it forms us who we are because the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. If I believe something, it's because the book says it. If I do something, it's because the book tells me to do it. My life needs to be based on the Bible. 
everything about my life. It's kind of like a bicycle wheel. Y'all ride bicycles, right? People in Chile ride bicycles like you would not believe, okay? Not everyone there has a car, and a lot of people use bicycles. You'll see tons of people walking down the road, and a lot of people using their bicycles. Every time I come back to the States, I'm always shocked by how far apart the buildings are. I say, what in the world is this? I mean, parking lots that actually hold the amount of cars they're supposed to hold for the people that can go into the building, it's, it's, it's amazing. In Chile, we don't have that. Everything's squished together, and anywhere they can put a building, they're going to put one, and it's just all together. So people can walk easily and ride their bikes between all these different areas. Super, super easy. Easier than trying to find a parking place with that car that some people have. So the bicycle is really interesting. You have the wheel on the outside. I had a try, guy try to give me a bicycle wheel yesterday. Without the bicycle. I, I don't know. He was just trying to give me the wheel. Anyway, you have, that just came into my mind for some random reason, Brother David. I don't know what's going on here. So you have the tire. You have the inner tube because it's inner. It's inside the tire. Then you have the rim. Then you have the spokes. Then you have that center part. What's that center part called? The hub, okay? Right there in the middle. Now, the tire is our life, where the rubber meets the road, you know? It's, it's the practical part of our daily living. And each spoke makes a connection from the center to where the rubber meets the road. That center spot, you know what it is in the life of a Christian? You guessed it. It's the Bible, right here. This is supposed to connect every aspect of my life. My personal life is supposed to be determined by the Bible. My vocation is supposed to be determined by the Bible. My vocabulary is determined by the Bible. My friends are determined by the Bible. My music is supposed to be determined by the Bible. Everything I do, everything that I am, ought to be determined by God's Word because it is the center focal point of my life. And if I can have the Bible in place where it's supposed to be, the ride is a lot smoother. You ever try to ride a bicycle where the center is just a little bit off? You feel it, okay? It makes things bumpy. It makes life difficult. But if we can have God's Word where it ought to be and maintain the relationship that we ought to have, life is going to go a lot better. Let's pray and get God involved in this thing, and then we will get into the message. Dear Lord, thank you for all that you've given to us today. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to share your Word. Help us to be able to take something that is spoken today and to apply it into our lives, from me to everyone else that is here. Help us all to be better Christians because of what we hear. We love you and thank you. Amen. Okay, and part of breaking down this wall, there's a little secret that I have, okay? I have a philosophy of preaching. So I asked Brother, uh, brother I keep wanting to call you Brother Josh. I'm so sorry. Brother David, okay? Brother Nolan, let's do with Brother Nolan, okay? Uh, I, keep, I asked Brother Nolan, how long are we supposed to be here today? He said, one... It, no, no, he didn't say that. He said, well, around 12, 12, 15, somewhere around there. That's the goal, all right? My personal goal for preaching is always this. I would rather people leave wishing they heard me more than wishing they heard me less. Okay, did that wall just come down a little bit there? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be conscious of the time. I know, I know where, where we're at. Another, another good saying, you're going to like this, anyone studying to be a preacher here, all right? The mind cannot absorb more than the seat can endure. So, I'm coming at this from the right angle. We want to get everyone out of here on time. To do that, we're going to all get involved in our Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Uh, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 
uh, verse number 15. Before we read it, I want to give one more illustration regarding a bicycle and the Bible. So, a bicycle has two of a lot of things, hence the word bicycle. All right? You have two wheels. You have two handlebars. You have two of pretty much everything on that bicycle. You even have two pedals. Okay? Now, those two pedals are really, really important. It is a two-stroke engine. Have you ever tried to ride a bicycle with just one pedal before? You had a broken bicycle? I see this all the time. Okay? It is the funniest thing in the world. because It's like when your car breaks down and you can still drive it a little bit. The check engine light is on, but it's not like detrimental yet. That's where most of my cars exist permanently. But that's where that thing is. In Chile, people's cars are their bicycle the majority of the time. And bicycles break down too. So you have this guy going down the road with one pedal. He's sitting here and he's just kicking it and trying to go a little bit and then kicking it again. He's, he's not being very efficient in where he's going. He's getting down the road, but he's not very efficient. It could be better. Now, our Christian life, a lot of times, is getting down the road. I mean, we're in church. We're doing good. But it's not as efficient as it could be. It could be a little bit better. And with this, this relationship with our Bible, there's pairs of things that we're going to be looking at today. It's the two-cycle engine of the bicycle. I need to do this one thing and then the other thing that is paired up with. It's like those socks. They always travel in pairs. You need two of them. And those aliens that always steal one sock out of your dryer, the one-foot race of aliens, they, they exist. I'm fully, fully convinced of that one. But we have this two-cycle pump that we have in our own Christian lives. And every one of these things we're going to talk about today has two parts to it. The one that is first and then the one that naturally comes second. So let's go ahead and look at it. Number one, we have to read and heed God's Word. Read it and heed it. They're a pair. You can't separate them. If you separate them, I mean, you're going down the road, but you get the idea. It's not going to go as good as it needs to go. You're going to learn some stuff about the Bible, but you're not going to have anything change in your Christian life. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 15. says this, And from a child, Paul writing to Timothy, Thou hast known the holy scriptures, here's the phrase, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which in, is in Christ Jesus. One of the reasons that we need to read the Bible is to get information from it. We've got to learn what is in the book. Now, it is so fun to be a pastor of a brand new church. It is the greatest thing in the world, okay? Because you can tell all the Bible stories in the world and they've never heard them before. You tell the story of Noah and their jaws hang open. Like, what? It, do, do what now? He was a farmer and then, or tell the story of Jonah. That's a fun one. Never heard it before. They've heard the story of Jesus, but not like the way the Bible teaches it. They hear it from, a, from the way Hollywood teaches the story. But most of the stories in the Bible, they have never, ever, ever heard. Uh, like the story of the, uh, the, the, the nude dude in the rude mood. You all know that story in the Bible? Who, who, who knows what I'm talking about? You've got the guy that is in the, the, the Maniac of Gadara, okay? You've, there's a lot of different stories in the Bible, and they just didn't know them. And so I like telling them the stories of the Bible. We had one year to where all the Sunday school was, was presenting the main stories of the Bible. We started from the creation and started giving them this information. God, in six actual, literal 24-hour days, made everything that there is. I mean, he, he programmed it and not only made it the way it was, but made it able to 
adapt to whatever situation that was going to be able to be presented to it in the future. That's why when God had Noah build the boat and pay one pair of each kind of animal, he didn't have to take uh, lions and tigers and no bears, okay? He didn't have to take lions and tigers. He took whatever feline was available at that time. Did you know that lions and tigers can actually breed? Did you know that? Their, 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 their genes allow them to. Now, they never do in the wild because there are different areas, all, all these different things, okay? But it's possible. God created in those animals the ability to adapt to different types of situations. Now, all everyone, and I'm going to make some enemies on this. I apologize. The wall's going to come up a, a layer or two here, okay? I know that the, the, the climate change is a rough thing, and I know the polar bears are suffering because of it. But the polar bears are not going to go extinct. You know why? Because in the brown bear and in the grizzly bear are the genes of the polar bear. Because when God created that bear in the beginning, and then when the, 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 two, the two bears got on the boat, okay, then they left, there were only two bears. And they were not a polar bear. It was whatever bear was right there. And as they went to their different areas, with the wisdom that God programmed into their DNA, they were able to adapt to the area that they went to. That is what God made. And when I get the chance to tell people these stories, they've never heard it before. Never one time. The story of the creation, the story of the fall. Well, wasn't it an apple? Well, I don't, I don't know what it was. It might have been an apple. It might have been something else. But the way Hollywood per, uh, um, says it is completely different than what the Bible says. So going through the Bible stories, giving them the information. One piece of information, he even mentions it right here, is very, very essential for us to have. Wise unto salvation. We need to know what the Bible says about going to heaven before we can actually be on our way to heaven. It's kind of like me this morning <clears throat> with my son in the car. Uh, where are we going, Dad? I said, that way. I said, I really don't know all the different turns we have to take. But Siri knows, so we're okay. So I tell the phone, take us to this address. And so it starts taking us here or there and all, all the different areas that we go through. I didn't need to know where I was going. I just kind of followed the directions, okay? But remember the days before Siri? Do you remember those? I remember, now... Uh, Younger than me, you're going you're gonna to see how old I am right now, okay? I remember days before cell phones existed. I remember the first cell phone that my family had. It was massive. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a big to-do. And for someone to have a, car, a phone in their car was, man, this guy's got to be a millionaire or something. It was tremendous, all right? Before the days of smartphones and stuff, we actually had to know things. And we had to know how to get where we were going. I remember in, uh, 18 years old, getting ready to go to Bible college. Me and my dad are in the truck. And we planned out, we mapped out our route on the way from, from a thousand miles from, from New Mexico to California. This is the route. And these are every single one of our turns. And we had them circled on the map. We knew how far it was. But it was a different life. Okay. But here's the illustration. You could not get to your destination if you didn't know how to get there. And it's the same way with heaven. You cannot get to heaven if you do not know the information on how to get there. So the biggest illustration on the whole, you know, read your Bible thing is so you can know what it says. You've got to know what's in the book. Now, God gives us a command. Now, who has ever been... No. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't raise your hand on this one. You've been pulled over, and uh, the, the officer says, do you know what the speed limit here is? 
Okay, so some people can identify with this. Okay, so he, he, you know what the speed limit is. Maybe, maybe not, but you play this card. No, I don't know what the speed limit is. Whether you're telling the truth or not, that's between you and him, okay? I don't know what the speed limit is, and maybe you're being sincerely honest about this. I did not know the speed limit was 35, and I was going 75. I really did not know that was the speed limit, okay? And the officer says, well, lucky for you, ignorance is no excuse. Ouch. That hurts every time. <laughs> every single time. I need to know. It's my responsibility to know because the information has been provided. God painstakingly gave us the Bible. Over 1,500 years, 40 different authors, and a few different translations along the way, we've got the book. We have everything he wants us to have for our daily living. It's there. But oftentimes, we don't know what it says. We have the book, and what, like us with our smartphones, if we need to, we can reference something. But we really don't know what's in the book. We need to know it. We need to know our Bible inside and out. I, I've got this guy at the, at the church in Napa. Uh, he's always asking me Bible questions. He says, I'm going to stump you one of these days. I'm, I'm going to get you one of these days. I'm going to get you. He's always after me. He comes to me the other day. Uh, he says, who founded the city of Nineveh? Oh, man, this kid's going to get me. Who founded the city of Nineveh? I said, I'm probably wrong, but I think it was Nimrod. Said, oh, man. Walks away. He was all upset because I got the answer right. I was so happy about that, okay? But we need to know what's in the book. We don't need to know every single name there. I mean, the more you know, the better it's going to be for you. But you need to know what's in the Bible. So, pair number one, you've got to read what's in the Bible. Um, we are using a, a, a curriculum in our family right now because we're homeschooling. We're using a, a self a curriculum thing where you read the directions and you follow, you put in the answers, okay? So I am helping my kids go through this curriculum a few weeks ago. They're going to try to get used to it. It's a brand new thing for them. And my daughter is trying to solve one of these math problems. I said, Dad, I need help. I said, okay. So I come over. Math genius, brother. All right, no, not really. So I come over, and I'm going to help her with her, with her math work over here. And she said, I'm having a problem with this, this, this problem. And there's no pencil markings anywhere. I said, how are you having a problem with it? You've not tried anything yet. Well, I don't understand it. And then I look over the other page. Did you read the directions? <gasps> no. Ah, read the directions, then tell me you need help afterwards. We go to pastor often, pastor, my life's a wreck, help. Did you read the directions? Well, go read the directions. And pastor's a little more kind than I'm imagining than I was with my daughter. Go read the directions and come back. No, he'll try to give you the directions, help you walk through the steps of them. But really, when it comes down to it, we've got to know what the book says. And then, like anything serious, we've got to follow the directions. Okay, knowing the directions is a good thing. You can read them but not get anything out of them, okay? You need to know, the, not just read it. No, who's ever read their, no, get, don't raise your hand. A lot of don't raise your hands today, okay? But you read the Bible and you just kind of go through it. And then you close the book. What did I just read? What, what happened? When what was supposed to come off the page and slap me in the face? I don't know. And we reread it, but we're not really letting it come in. You know what I'm saying? It's going through our eyes and out our ears. It's, it's not working with us. And so sometimes, like on those math problems, you got to read it again. Not just to say, I read it. Yeah, Dad, I read it. I still need help. No, 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 no. That's not the type of reading I'm talking about. I want you to read it to know it. 
Okay, and she goes back, and she reads it, and then she doesn't ask for help anymore. Wow, wow, okay, this, this, is, this is good. And this also can apply to our Christian lives as well. If we read it to know it, to really know what it says, a lot of life's problems would just solve themselves because we know what's in the book. The information is extremely important. So once we know the information, we've got to do something with it. We're going to start buzzing through the time here. Let's go to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. This is a really cool verse. You're going to love this one, okay? James one, a lot of you already know this verse, uh, but here's what it says and here's the application. Uh, James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Here's the phrase deceiving your own selves. Here's what happens. Now, the, 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 the two-cycle engine, that bicycle, okay? Number one, we read what's in the book. We read it to know it. We understand it. We get it. I, I fully understand what the Bible's saying about this subject. That is great. Now, follow through with that second pedal. Are you doing what that verse says? Like socks, they travel in pairs. You've got to do what you read. Or, what's the result? Deceiving your own selves. I know what the Bible says about this, therefore, I am a good Christian. No, not the way that it works. I know what the Bible says about this. That's one stroke of the engine. And I am starting to do what the Bible says in this subject. Ah, now we are. A good Christian, or at least going down the road getting to be a good Christian. We, we have a lot of people in our churches that know everything there is to know about the Bible. You've been in it since you were a kid, a lot of you guys. Uh, maybe some of you haven't. Maybe some of you are first-generation Christians. But a lot of us have been in this thing for a long time. And we know just about everything there is to know about the Bible. Except for that thing in Ezekiel where it's talking about the wheels and the spirit of the thing was in the wheels. And no one knows what that's talking about. But we, we know a lot of the Bible. And if someone asks us the question, we do probably have the answer to that thing. And we know what we ought to do. We know what the Bible says about all these subjects. But when it comes to where the rubber meets the road, we're not putting that second pedal down. We're not doing what we ought to be doing, okay? For example, the Bible says, set no wicked thing before thine eyes. Don't raise your hand. We're going to have a lot of these questions. But we've got TVs in our house. A lot of us do. Now, here's something interesting. I have a TV in my house. It has no service. It has been months since it has been turned on. Last night, it was on. It was connected with an HDMI cable to my computer, okay? And it was an extra screen for my computer. And, and we watch stuff every once in a while. And I'm not saying it's a sin to have a TV. But what the sin is, is when we allow things on that TV to come into our house and we set wicked things before our eyes. We hear, the Bible says, He heareth cursing and berayeth it not. You're hearing stuff that you ought not hear, not saying anything about it. We're seeing stuff we ought not see, and we're letting it continue to go. We, we know how to be a good Christian. We know what we're supposed to do. We all know that that is wrong. But when it comes to our personal, private, home life, are we good Christians? Or are we deceiving our own selves? Do you see what I mean? A lot of churches that I've been to, we have a lot of people that know a lot of things about the Bible. 
But in select areas of their life, kind of like a buffet, in select areas of their life, they choose to not put down that second pedal. Thus, their relationship with the Bible only goes so far and never reaches its full potential. What we want as Christians today is to reach that potential. What does God have for you? If, if God, <laughs> God made you for a specific reason. He saw the world and saw a big problem. He saw all the intricacies of that problem with the world. And he said, I need to solve this problem with the world, so I will make a tool, a specialized tool, just to fix that problem, like your car has. One tool for one bolt. You know how that, that thing works? The special tool that costs like 400 bucks to get that one bolt off, okay? He made you as that special tool to fix that problem with the world. And you will be the happiest ever in your life when you find out what that purpose is and get to work fixing that problem. Second stroke of that engine. You never do it. You never get to live that life. And God made you. He wants you to have it. He's got it right there. And if you don't do it, the problem is not going to get fixed because he made you to do it. But our relationship with the Bible, if it stops and we don't obey, we're never going to get to it. Now, we've got a few more things and we always bring to the table more than what you're going to have time to get. So don't worry. I still remember the two principles we talked about earlier in the message. All right. So that's point number one. Point number two. So we have read and heed is one pair. Another pair in the Christian life is study and teach. Study and teach. Uh, we're already in Second Tim, or we were in Second Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy three sixteen, the very next verse. All right, y'all. A lot of y'all know this one already. Second Timothy three sixteen. Uh, oops, I'm sorry. I think I've got the wrong verse here. Two sixteen. Nope. We'll quote it. It says this: Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are supposed to study to show ourselves approved. I mean, reading the Bible is great, but sometimes you've got to get a little bit more into it than just a casual read. Now, here's what I do all the time. Here's my phone. I've got my, uh, my Bible app right here. I love the Bible app, man. You guys got to get the Bible app. However you do it, and I've got this thing that can do this. Right? You, you listen to the Bible. And so on the way over here, I asked my son, where do you want to listen in the Bible today? He said, I want to listen to Daniel. So we put Daniel on, on the, the, the drive, and all the way from Napa all the way up here, we're listening to the book of Daniel, going through it, listening to the story, having a great time. Now, that's reading the Bible, getting the information in. That's good. That's not studying the Bible. There's a big, big difference between reading something and studying it. God wants us to study what's in the book, to study it, okay? There are a lot of different things that we do not have time to get into. But when you study the Bible, things start jumping out off the page at you, all right? Um, here's a good question for you. How far did Jesus carry, and don't answer the question, how far did Jesus carry the cross before they gave it to somebody else to carry it for him? How far? He didn't carry the cross. But the Bible says that he bearing his cross. It says, yes, but in another section, it says that they compelled Simon to do it for him before he even was there. 
So that, the, the, the song, the, who, brother, you, you sang, the Via Dolorosa. You heard that song before? Going up the Via Dolorosa. That never happened. That, that whole song is based on something that's not even in the Bible. He never carried the cross. It's, you don't get that, though, off of a casual read of the Bible. You get that off of studying, comparing Scripture with Scripture, trying to figure it out. Okay, another thing. Uh, what did the thing on the cross actually say? This is Jesus. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Behold, this is Jesus, King of the in all four Gospels, we have that sign on the cross. And in all four Gospels, it says something different. Isn't God's Word true? Yes, it is. So, which one of them was right? Well, well, you're reading in English. It didn't say any of them, okay? But on there, it said something to the effect of the combination of all four of those things. It is all right there. It had in, in, in one language, another language, and another language. It was all there. But we don't get what's in the Bible because we don't study it. So I can't, can't labor this point too much. We've got to study it. We've got to know the doctrines. We've got to know what we believe. We've got to know why we, we, we do what we do. Why do we go soul winning? Why don't we have rock and roll church every Sunday? We don't have rock and roll church every Sunday, right? We don't? Okay. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why do we dress this way? Why do we have this music? Why do we not have these friends? All these different questions that take studying of God's Word to be able to answer. That's why he said study to show yourself approved. God wants you to know what's in the book so you can let it, uh, let it determine how you live because we're going to heed God's Word. But it's more than just a casual read. I'm going to get into the doctrines and know what the book says and do do what I'm supposed to do and know why I'm doing those things. I've got to study it. But the pair that goes with this one, all right, not only do I need to study Hebrews 5.12, we need to teach as well. Do you know that everyone here has a responsibility to do two things, to be a student of God's Word and to be a teacher of God's Word? Everyone here. Hebrews 5.12, we're not going to have time to get through everything, but this one we've got to see. Hebrews 5.12, please go with me over there. Hebrews 5.12. And how do you know that coffee is a biblical thing? Because he brews it. Okay, Hebrews 5. I know the jokes are bad today. I can't turn it off. Okay, Hebrews 5.12 says this. Uh, for when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. What's the phrase? Ye ought to be teachers. Every one of us. Once we learn something, now we are responsible not only to obey it, but also to teach it to somebody else. We are responsible for it. So we must study so that we can do what we're supposed to do in a, in more, more, in a deeper sense, not just casual reading, but a study of God's Word, and then take what we've learned and give it to somebody else. Teach it to somebody else. Everyone constantly learning, one pedal, and teaching other pedal of what is in God's Word. That's our relationship with the Bible. If we don't do this, we are not going anywhere with our Christian walk. It's, it's done. We're not going to advance. We're going to get to this stagnant point and stay there. And that's not how you find out what God wants you to do being that specialized tool. So, okay, we're going through it. We don't have much time. Let's buzz through the rest of these things. Read and heed. Study and teach. Next is to memorize and meditate. Memorize and meditate. Uh, the, the, the verse to the, or the, the quote 
the pledge to the Bible, Thy word have I hid in my heart. That came from Psalm 119, verse 11. We need to hide God's word in our heart. We need to memorize it. I love what Jesus said to the disciples. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was going to bring to their remembrance the things that they had already learned. He can't bring to your remembrance something that's not there. He's not going to do that. You need to memorize it. And so at what point you find yourself in need of that scripture, man, there it is. The Holy Spirit can bring it up. You've got it right there. That's why it's such an important thing to memorize God's word. He wants it in our hearts. If the word of God dwell in you richly, it's got to be inside of me. Have you ever thought what would happen if they took your Bible away? It's happened many places, many times. But this is America. <laughs> no, it's not. It can happen. They can take it. If you've not seen what's been going on with all the, the new mandates that have nothing to do with the law, I don't know where you are on that one, by the way. I'm not going to touch that. Okay, But they have power to do what they want to do. God gave them that power. They have it. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was not the nicest guy in the world. We just read that today. Okay? But God still gave him that power. And if they took your Bible away, well, I've got it on my phone. <laughs> they, they can take that away too. If they took your Bible away, how many of you would still be able to read the Bible? If we took a, took a, a game right now, I did this one night at Communist Night when I was a youth pastor. It was a great night. Okay? We, we convinced the kids that the communists had actually taken over, and we met in a dark room with candlelight, and we tried to recall as many memory verses that they could. All right, we need to read the Bible. We don't have one. Who's got the first verse? Oh, man, it was a rough night. It was fun, though. It was really good. But it taught us something. We don't know enough of the book. We need to know a little bit more so that when something does happen, whether it's because someone took the Bible away from me or I just find myself in a situation where I don't have my Bible, I need to be able to think of God's Word because I need to memorize it and I need to meditate on it, dwell on it. The Bible says we don't have enough time to go there. Psalm 119 in five different places says we ought to meditate on God's Word. And you all have heard the illustration before. A cow's got four stomachs and it brings... I don't want to go there. Okay, But it has to chew on it over and over and over and over and over again because that's how it gets the nutrients out of the grass. And it's the same for the Christian. We have to bring it back and dwell on it more and more, just like you do with sin. You've got to dwell on God's word. And wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. If we would let God's word come into us and memorize it and dwell on it, think about it constantly. What verse am I going to be thinking about all day today? <laughs> You would be shocked what God would do with your life if you let him. If you let him. Okay, we got to go through it. Read and heed. Study and teach. Memorize and meditate. And the last one right here, we have to relate it and we have to resist. Resist God's word? No, no, no. Don't resist God's word. Resist the devil using God's word. So, relating the, 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 the scriptures. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, Let this book of the law not depart out of thy mouth, for by you will have good success. Okay, that's a, a little bit of a paraphrase. But he needed to be constantly talking about it to himself and to other people. What occupies the majority of your conversation? Politics? We, we almost got going that direction. Okay, almost. So sorry. Uh, job? Me? Tools? I'm a tool guy. I'm, I'm sorry, confessing. All right. I like talking about stuff. It's fun. It's something I'm into. How much 
does God's word permeate our conversation? When you talk to somebody else, does God's word ever come up? And we wonder why our Christian life has stalled. We're not even pushing the first pedal. Not even doing anything with it. Don't talk about sports. It comes, it goes. Who won last year? Well, I don't know. They, it doesn't matter. Talk about God's word. Let it be the theme, the central point to every part of your life. And it will help you tremendously. And not only you, it'll help those around you. Everyone in your circle will be benefited by your conversation about God's word. It will, it will help. It will help so much. We don't have time. Talk about it with your kids when you're rising up, when you're laying down, when you're going by the way, when you're sitting at the table. Everywhere you're at, let the Word of God be the theme of your conversation. Now, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I get the balance there. But let God's Word be the determining factor of all the physical things that we're dealing with. There is a balance and it works out well. So you relate it to one another. Last step, you resist the devil with it. We don't have time to look at all the verses, but in Matthew chapter 5... Uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, I think somewhere around there, Matthew, somewhere. Uh, Jesus is resisting the devil. The devil comes to him and offers him, hey, you're the son of God? Correct statement. Turn this, uh, can you turn stone into bread? Turn the stone into bread. Can he do it? Yes, he can. What did Jesus do? I mean, after not eating for 40 days, I've never been there, don't know what he was feeling like, but I can guarantee you it was something in the version of hungry. Okay? Maybe hangry. Who's ever been hangry before? I've been hangry. So, turn this stone into bread. Can he do it? He can do it. But instead of doing that, he answered the devil. Now, here's the important part. How you resist the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. But how do you resist the devil? What is the sword? The word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's how I resist the devil. And the way Jesus did it, the devil presented him a temptation. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Did Jesus come up with that on the spot? No. That was something he had memorized. Deuteronomy. Moses talked about that. He said, it's not bread alone. It's by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And Jesus, instead of giving the devil his own words, gave him a memorized scripture that had to do with the current temptation. Okay? Next illustration. He, he takes Jesus uh, to the top of the temple. says, hey, you're trying to get, get an audience. You want people to listen to your message? I know a way to do that. I'm going to help you, Jesus. And anytime the devil wants to help you, it's not, not working. It may seem like it, but it's not working. Okay? Jump off the temple. Cast yourself down. And when you stand back up, you're going to have an audience. People will be right there. And besides, wouldn't it be fun? I'm not sure the exact terminology the devil used. But he said, jump. And Jesus answered with another Bible verse that had something to do with that current temptation. He says, we're not supposed to tempt God. And the devil quotes Psalm 92. He'll protect you lest you even, here's the paraphrase, stub your toe. I wish I had that protection verse on my life. That would be really, really handy a lot of times. You're not even going to stub your toe. How can you get hurt jumping off of anything? And Jesus said, just like he was correct, the devil was correct about the bread thing, the devil was correct about the temple thing too. Jesus could have done it and been okay, but we're not to tempt God. And Jesus quoted that appropriate verse at that appropriate time. Next time, Jesus, uh, the devil takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Hey, I'll give you all these things if you just fall down and worship me. And another memorized 
Bible verse. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Boom! Right there! And then, get thee behind me, Satan. He could resist him then, because the word of God was through him. In more than just being the word of God. It was memorized. He didn't resist the temptation because he was God. Everything Jesus did, every miracle, every, everything he did was done as a man fully surrendered to the Holy Ghost. He was our example so that we can follow in his steps. He didn't resist as God. He resisted as man. But he did that using the right tools. So here's my question for you. That's all that we have time for today. We have relate and resist. We have memorize, meditate, study and teach, read and heed. This is a deep relationship here. How deep is our relationship with God's Word? Where was it today when you found it? Huh. The Bible I'm talking about. How much dust did we have to blow off of it? Had it been a full week, no, had it been a half a week since Wednesday, since you touched it? When's the last time you talked about it to somebody else? Or went soul winning? That's talking about the Bible to somebody else. Or talking about something other than physical things. Talk about something spiritual with something. And we can't repreach the whole sermon, but take something that was said, compare it to your life. The Bible says, and David was talking in Psalms, Lord, examine me, open me up, do some open heart surgery, see if there is anything in me that needs some changing. How are we doing today? The, the relationship we are supposed to have with God's word is supposed to be a deep and abiding, thorough relationship. Would you describe your relationship with God's Word as that? Or would you say, it could use some improvement? I know mine can use some improvement. Right? And I think we're all probably in that same boat. Let's find some area and make the necessary changes. Let's all stand with our heads bowed, eyes closed, please, as we begin the invitation. And that's what the invitation is. It is an invitation to make some changes to do some dealings with God. Tell God, this is what I've heard. This is the information that we receive from your word. Now, here's what I, by your grace, will do about it. Lord willing and with your help, I will do this. I'll make this decision based on what I've heard. And that is what the invitation is. You don't, you don't do business with God in your seat. You come, you go to the altar, and you do business. So if God has spoken to you, the altar is open. The altar is open right now. If you would say, yeah, there is something in my life, in what we talked about today, in my relationship with the Bible, that needs to change. Are you reading it? Are you obeying what you're reading? Maybe there's a specific area in your life that you know the Bible says something about, but you've not obeyed yet. I know in my life there's been several places like that. And it's one by one, yielding those areas to God, so that we can have the result of being a better Christian, being more of the person that I ought to be, so that God can use me more to His glory. Now, if God's spoken to you about something through His Word, make the changes. Come forward and tell about it. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.